Hey everybody, welcome to the Timmy Gibson Show. Glad you're here today. Thank you for joining us. I got a special guest here. Kara Payton is in the house. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> so Kara, uh, we met each other years ago oh, because God, of the wedding fun. business, yeah. correct? Forever. Um, Kara is a photographer, a phenomenal photographer, actually. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about, about what you do for a living and a little bit about that. And then we're going to get into some heavy, heavy stuff and <laughs> you know about your podcast and how you got started and kind of your life journey. And of course, well, as you know, wedding photography was the 20 year, thought I was going to do it forever. Just an art force that um, was my vehicle to being an entrepreneur. And so I could stay at home with my kids and, um, 2020 pandemic threw a curveball in everything. And my satisfaction level of it was still maintained, but I noticed that there was just this itch for more because what 2020 did to people was starting to become something I, I was being more and more pulled and drawn into a space because, you know, my work with Tony Robbins started in 2016 and it was fantastic and it was so fulfilling and it was just this energy charge all of the time and I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. But when they offered me, you know, full-time staff position, I was told very, very, um, wisely by a, a girlfriend. She goes, you know what this is going to mean? She goes, a staff position with Tony Robbins is going to mean traveling two to three weeks out of the month. And obviously that was the biggest, you know, qualifier for me yeah. wanting to be, uh, wanting to be a mom. Yeah. So I had pulled from that. And then the 2020 pandemic happened. It's like, I still have this burning desire to help people yeah. and anxiety, satisfaction of life. We have the, you know, the pandemic of, of the suicide going skyrocketing. Right. And so I started the podcast first before the business ever took off. I was you know, coaching and teaching and sharing online webinars. You were blogging like a lot. Yeah, I yeah. It, it was, it was more writing things and not putting, I was putting pen to paper and hadn't really developed any kind of what I want to do with this. And, you know, lo and behold, it, it just started becoming something I could recan and my words became more formed. And I realized in the podcast episodes what I actually wanted to do with my life. So fast forward to 2023, here we are. And I settled on this whole wellness and healing and be having the best life possible and becoming the best version of yourself. It all boiled down to, for me, our subconscious programming and our nervous system's health. Yeah. being able to regulate our nervous system. And so that is what I am so passionate. I was like, this is the way I have done <laughs> all of the work. I've done the therapy. I've done the medication. I've done the healing. I've done the podcasts and the courses and the just en endless workshops and webinars. I've written, I've read stacks and stacks of books. And this is where I found my, my true answers. And yeah. so I created my program that does that marries all of that together. And if you want your mindset, you want your health, body, mind, well, well all of that, plus getting your relationships together and then getting your wealth together. Yeah. And so it, it really kind of, and your nervous system plugs into all of that. So, um, that is, that's what I do now. And it is, it you is still do amazing. photography too, or I I do because I can't get away from it. I love it. I yeah. love people's connection, but I still feel like very much so. It's the emotional aspect of it yeah. that I was always drawn to. I just didn't really. When I'm telling you know, because I'm 
I'm working with couples. I'm face to face. I'm in their house. Yeah. I'm, I'm at their wedding. You know, it's, it's very, I'm in their stuff. I'm in their life. I'm in yeah. their families and telling them, giving them a prompt, a conversation prompt. You know, they don't even know we're taking photos. Right. It's very much like, all right, talk about a memory. Like who is the fastest to forgive yeah. and tell about a favorite, tell about the moment you were most proud of him. Yeah. Tell her about him when she was, most, it's, it's therapy. Essentially yeah. I'm walking them through an experience together. And I'm just getting their emotional reactions. And so I still do it, but I am definitely more dialed into, I I'm there to create a connection too. I'm there to, when I leave, I want their relationship to be a touch more solid. Yeah. So I still do it. Yeah. Yes, very much. Yeah. You're so. really good at that. Where did you get that idea? Or was that, was that something you had learned somewhere as an, as, as a, a possible, um, way to get, to capture those emotions because, um, yeah, you're really good at that. And, and I've never experienced that with any other photographer that would prompt thoughts in your head like that, you know, like, okay, Timmy, I want you to think about one of the, you know, when, it, when your kids were born, you know, and, and you, you're all of a sudden my mind's going there and my face expresses this emotion and then you're snapping pictures. You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of photographers clearly, mm -hmm. and I've never had anyone do that, <laughs> you know? So like, where'd that kind of come from? If I had to guess, because it's, it's lost on me any one moment that I can think back to, I remember being so disenchanted with the traditional photo of everybody, you know, look at the camera, smile and everything. And it's just very, it looks great on the walls, but nobody remembers that session, yeah. that time together, that time in their lives. They, they remember it, but they remember any of our memories are because we were grounded in an emotional moment. Yeah. And so as I was thinking about how I wanted to kind of shift into something that was more authentic, I remember thinking, I got to stop doing everybody look at me type yeah. things. Yes. The whole world is doing that type of stuff. And I wanted to differentiate. And this was before the trend of the candid in motion type photos where it's just it's mid spin or mid laughter and all the, all of that right. really hadn't taken off. I mean, just 20 years ago. So right. I just remember thinking if somebody can remember an emotion they had during the session, we will have not only better photos, but they'll remember and they have a, a positive emotion tied to me as well. Yeah. So it just, I, it started pretty, probably pretty unartfully. Yeah. Just asking people to, run at me and try to trip each other Yeah. or think of a moment where you laugh the hardest together. Yeah. yeah. Or I would just, I would make a joke. I would be like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about how pretty it is when she farts or something, you know, yeah, right, just right. something <laughs> silly to get laughter. Right, right. And then I realized I can go a step more. I can make them laugh, which is great, but I can also make them connect. So I don't really remember when I just, I think the inception was not necessarily what I wanted to create. It's, it's kind of where I wanted to, pull away from yeah. it, the inauthentic photos that don't like really... the Olin, the Olin mills. Yeah. It just... Put your chin down, turn your head. To, yeah. <laughs> Cause we don't, I like how many childhood photos do we have that we don't remember how yeah. we felt as a kid or being in the moment or, and then there was entire wedding days that I shot. I'm going, did I take that bride and groom? Did I implant them in their day at all? Did I really kind of staple a moment and how can I do that? It's like, well, invoking emotion is how you, you know, do that. Those memorable moments, they're memorable in our mind because they leave an indelible mark by emotion. The mind, the thoughts that we think, the thoughts are the language of the mind. 
the emotions of the language of the body. And if I can yeah. connect the two, I've instantly created a memory yeah. because our body stores it. It keeps the score. So yeah. it already back then I was already kind of doing this mindset, emotion stuff without even realizing it. It was just yeah. a quick, happy, uh, happy transition. That's awesome. <laughs> so I want to go, I want to go back a little bit just to give context to all of this. Cause we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, you were, where are you from? Tell me about your, maybe a little bit of your upbringing, um, your siblings. And then of course, you know, when you get married and just kind of, kind of a little bit, go back okay. a little bit. Wow. Um, I was a Navy brat, first of all. So I was born to two very young people, uh, young, dominant and love <laughs> in Norfolk, Virginia. And I actually have a pretty interesting, splotchy story that my beginning hasn't really ever been fully told to me. Interesting. So I don't know who, I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know a lot of the details. And anytime I've been able to nail down any of my parental figures to a version of the story or the complete series, if you will, the timelines don't all add up. So you don't know your biological mother and father? I know my, my biological parents. Oh, okay. I don't know what age I was when I was adopted. I don't know what age I was when one person was in or out of the picture. I don't know the story about wow. who was not in the picture or why, if it was choice, if like voluntary or right. if it was involuntary. There's just a lot of it, it seems, yeah, it seems a little bit mysterious, seems a little bit scandalous, yeah. but nobody's stories really line up. So I realized, you know, I, I, I searched for a lot of years, obviously in your childhood, you kind of want to know the story. And I wasn't told that my adopted father was not my adopted father until I was 13. Wow. And it was a very uncomfortable conversation with him because my mother couldn't be in the house when I, when I was told. So, um, very, very interesting dynamic to go your whole life, knowing that you were the only person with green eyes in your house, the only person that didn't seem to really have the same body type. or And then I yeah. saw a birth picture of me with a totally different last name, but I just kind of, you're a kid, so you don't really think, sure. surely it's not because I was from another family or from another planet or whatever. Right. You don't, you don't really read into it. Yeah. And so you think, well, it's my mom and dad, something got crosswired at some point. No big yeah, deal. Right. You don't question the the fabric of your existence. Right. And um so when it all made sense when I was told, well that's why I have a, a picture and that's why I look completely different than my siblings and that's why I'm kind of treated a little different and it all just kind of it was like it's not my hallucination anymore. So um growing up was a little growing up was a little interesting. My childhood was somewhat tumultuous and we were that we were that family there was kind of chaos there was a lot of parental fighting there was a lot of discord there was a lot of anger there was a lot of leaving affairs just generally a lot of movement slightly dysfunctional maybe <laughs> slightly dysfunctional <laughs> a lot of movement and um so my initial my initial journey was kind of the reckoning of that i just basically mirrored all of that and took that out into the world. And when I was 17, I moved out and became a teen pregnancy, then became a teen miscarriage, then 
moved far away to go try to, you know, research myself by yourself by myself wow and uh, came back home a little homesick but then i got pregnant right away again and then started you know as a child that i did not miscarry that one fortunately and was a child raising a child wow. and that's still unmarried <laughs> at this time still unmarried i did get um we did try to make a family together yeah. it was just not it was very very crash and burn very violent very chaotic it was just everything that i experienced in my childhood just turned up so wow. i left that found what i felt would be more stable that ended up just instability in another clothing uh had two kids with him got married stayed married for you know come hell or high water through the church and prayer and just like god's for the family and all of that belief system where you just continuously work and work and work trying and work. to make it yes, work exactly. yeah. i understand that <laughs> and two tra two traumatized kids getting married trying to come together to have a family that's somewhat functional is just you know without doing the real work and assessing the real damage is is damn near impossible mission so yeah. after nine years i gosh got myself in a i want to say a year and a half long affair that was emotional first and just found myself completely disenchanted with my life, questioning everything because this person was kind to me and this person showed emotion. Yeah. So, and then I'm, I'm in the church. So I have this, I have this almost double life. This yeah. hypocrisy is I, it like just weights on my shoulder as I'm sitting sure. there in the church pews. Like, I don't know what I believe. I'm sure you, I'm sure that there was some, some guilt a little bit through that of process. Course. Yeah. Of course. Cause I'm sitting here being told that regardless of how, warm and soothing and and healthful this feels like to my to my heart yeah i'm betraying the oh, stability in the home that my kids are being raised yeah, in and so it was just awful because i knew what so i told myself i made a bargain with myself i'm going to keep this going because it fills my cup yeah. it makes me function better yeah. in my home as a as a yeah. as you a felt better emotionally yes. probably yeah and so i could show up better yes. so like i'm going to have this life and i'm going to have this life and i'm going to deal with whatever i deal with it's the church. almost like this over here makes this possible makes yes. this uh manageable or yes. or it, yeah it's that's the weirdest thing that i have ex ever experienced it's like doing this makes me go yep i can totally do this now yeah. and it did it it, it definitely would have ended a lot sooner had i not had this almost recharge it's like okay I've, I've got a little bit more fuel i yeah. can tolerate this now and so i did it was it was probably another i would credit it for almost another two years of being able to do it and then when that connection i started to want more from that connection and i noticed oh gosh you know now we're now we're really at risk of up uprooting it because this person and i were going now i want to you know upend our families yeah. and it then the i was like okay well that wasn't sustainable so i had to leave and man i will never forget the day leaving the Bible study, I came home and this was a huge, this was a moment for me. This was one of those life existential moments where you're just going, nothing I believe exists. I have no idea what, which way is up, which mm. way is down, which way to turn, what my name, what my life has been about to this moment. I pulled in my driveway, totally auto drove the whole thing. Didn't even realize that I was even home yet. I walked in the front door. And you know that strange feeling that you feel like 
you're somewhere you're not supposed to be. You're like, oh crap, wrong door. Yeah. I had that walking into my own house, that wow. lack of recognition. I felt like it was opening the neighbor's house and I go, oh shoot. And then I looked, I'm like, no, this is, this is it. And I kind of just woke up and it was this weird, strange ongoing moment of like, where am I? Mm-hmm. I walked in my house and I could in intellectually put together, I'm in my house. Yeah. But I scanned and couldn't see anything that put me in it. It was like a house, but not your home. Yes. Something was missing. Something. I was just like, I, I hung that on the wall. I, I wrote that list. I moved, I bought that couch. I can't, but I can't be here. It was like I was out of my body or something. It wasn't there because I was standing there. Fit in there, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't get this. I was like, I can't. I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, this like thing that I've been avoiding for years. And so I looked up and I audibly prayed for the first time and I don't know how long. And I said, God, if this is all there is to life, let me have peace with it. This is exhausting. I can't keep this up. Like, if this is all there is, if this is, I've checked off every single box. I've got the house, I've got the car, I've got the marriage, I'm doing the PTA, I'm a Bible study member. I've, I'm checking off all the boxes. There's no more boxes to check. So, like, let me be okay with this. And I was like, but if there's not, if this is not all there is, break me wide open and show me what the hell I'm missing. Yeah. And within, within a week of that, I spent a month in Japan and I came home to an empty house and divorce papers on the counter. And I moved two days before Christmas, a Christmas dinner on a Home Depot box. And I had a gift wrap tree on my wall. I was like, okay, this is, and the emptiness of discarding everything, selling everything, moving, starting all new. You would think that that would be the moment of my panic. That would be the moment of, Oh God, what did I just do? Yeah. What's, what's, what's tomorrow even going to look like? Yeah. And I remember sitting there on my Home Depot table (laughs) and I thought it was the exact opposite. I've never felt more full. My house was empty and I was so signed on for whatever adventure was going to come. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, finally, I don't feel like I'm further burying myself under something that I was never, I was never meant for. Yeah. It was not me. And I finally, it's like, I don't even know what I am, but I can figure it out. I could not figure it out in that environment. Yeah. Wow. That's such, I've never, we've never had this conversation (laughs) and I can so resonate with many parts of that story, um, with my own story and the feeling of, I remember walking out of the divorce proceedings and sobbing, you know, I was Mm -hmm. was crying, Yeah. but there was this joy and this peace that was overwhelming Mm. in my soul where I felt free. I felt the world was before me. I felt all the potential. It was the weirdest contradictory feeling to, to experience, to be so overwhelmed with grief at, at, at a failed marriage at, at, you know, how people, especially in the religious world that, you know, that we were this model couple and, and 
it, you know, it ended. And, and so there was that the grief from that, but then there was this just overwhelming sense of joy and excitement and thrill. And I just, yeah, it's, I've never heard anybody articulate that Mm -hmm. well, that it was just this, I first moved out into an Airbnb in the basement and it was cold, dark, damp (laughs) and, and, you know, and I would just, uh, it was a little bit of a sad space, you know, um, I was thankful for it until then I moved into my apartment, which is completely the opposite of that. Um, but it was just that, that it was such a duality. It was weird to experience such joy, such grief at the same time. Um, it will really reorganize you very quickly and yes. <laughs> experience it, such a such a tangle. Yeah, yeah, it was such a weird experience, but such um, yeah, I've never been, and I'm sure you you as well. It's like the journey. It's like my life was I was reborn. Yeah, it was a a new birth of that's, that's what does accurate. Timmy want? Where is Timmy going to go? What will Timmy find in the future? It was just. It was very fascinating. It was a very mm-hmm. fascinating time. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. That was <laughs> that was really uh, good for me to hear just because I, like I said, I parallel parts of that story um, and can relate to, to that, um, that conundrum of, yeah, everything on this side seems like a terrible situation. But <laughs> on the other hand, it was the most wonderful situation. Yeah. And um, well, that's cool. So, so you, you get divorced. And then, and you have how many kiddos? Three. Three kids. And so that's the complicated part. For me, you know, we had adult children. So uh, we didn't have the complication of, you know, come here for a week, there for a week, or every other weekend and all that stuff. Fortunately, we didn't have complication really at all because I was so resolute in my decision. And he was so determined to make things as amicable as possible. That's wonderful. That Ours was like that too. I think the... The initial intent for him being amicable was that she'll get out of this phase. Oh, and come back. And come back and we'll be able to reconvene because that was the language. And there were multiple times in my new house that he would come by and it was just very much he would like waiting for you to impregnate the pauses with like questions of. So, you know, how are, how are you doing? Almost like where, where's your status? How, yeah. how are you with this whole weird existential life crisis that you're having? Right. Your midlife crisis, right? <laughs> are you, are you ready for, <laughs> for us to talk about things again? And I've got to say that there were so many times where I was just, I, I wondered, did I really just need the space? Did I really just need to breathe? So did you wrestle with that a little bit? Like maybe Not, I will come around or. I didn't wrestle with it. I acknowledged the fact that this person loved me and was holding space for everything that we had been through and that maybe the lack of emotion, lack of support and the lack of partnership that he, you know, gave in the marriage, he had maybe come to terms with that and was ready to maybe turn over a new leaf. And I had to really decide, you know, did I experience all that I wanted to experience with that? Was I ready or willing to maybe see some sort of efforting, further or was it just you know if you if you can't value who I was or who I am the first time is it ever going to be anything and I hadn't really made my decision on that I didn't really know where I stood in other words had he grown and and had you grown to a point where we could make it work at this point yeah because you have to become different people if you're going to reconvene and I knew that much but I wasn't far enough along in my journey of who I was what I wanted truly 
and the space that I was in, just being able to form the energy and be in control of what kind of environment I had created for me and the kids was so addicting. I was like, I love the fact that I can wake up in the morning. And if I feel like waking up at five in the morning that day, turning on my music, making a whole ruckus and mess and dancing in the kitchen or going outside and meditating and not having anybody, whatever I wanted to do, yes. I was like, I can be whatever I want and I can do whatever I want. So it was just so, I did, I felt honestly, it's like, yes, oh gosh, I love you, but I don't really want you in my space anymore. Yeah. I detoxed all of it. And I was not the addiction to the, the, the toxic cycle and the, the pursuing and the cat and mouse and the, the game playing or manipulation or, or this kind of jostling to make something work. I had, it's, it was like almost kind of a bitter, slightly embittered message of, man, I prayed for you for almost a decade. If you weren't coming around then, you're just in, you're just in pain. Yeah. And you want this to cover that so you don't have to face what you had to face, but I'm facing it and it's working for me. So go on your mission, go on your journey, find what you need to find. Yeah. But I'm not addicted to this type of relationship cycle anymore. Yeah. I'm not even drawn. I'm not turned on. I'm not, there's nothing in me that magnetizes me toward trying to save you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't reconcile that. You can't go back once you're, you know, when you view somebody that was your, the object of your obsession and you view them like a, family member. Yeah. I was like, I have God's like you love, love them, for but you. like a brother. Yes. It's yeah. like, I have God's love for you. I want you happy genuinely, truly. And I don't want to be the vessel or the vehicle or the scapegoat for that anymore. Yeah. Or you not getting it. I don't want to be in your way. If I was not what you needed and what is not going to love you the way that you need to be. I don't want to be in the way of it. Yeah. It was completely just the epitome of the namaste type yeah. thing. It's like, my wholeness, my spirit, my life journey. It's like, I genuinely bless and wish you well. And since we were not a match to align and run parallel as a romantic relationship, I want whatever that relationship needs to look like. And it became a really, really good friendship. That's awesome. Um, and you've been able yeah. to maintain that? Well, the, the journey was my, my addiction to toxic relationships ended. His really only started to get going. Yeah. And so every time he's in a relationship, our relation, our friendship gets very much, it's, I guess it's maybe emotion, somebody that's insecure or addicted to toxic relationships just is threatened by the fact it's like, no, I really don't. If no. we, if we were going to be together, we would have, it right. would have reconvened back in 2016. It's not something that's ever going to happen again. But I think that because I genuinely love the man, I don't want anything from him. I don't want anything but the best for him Yeah, and truly just love him as a soul, as a being. I think it's threatening. Yeah. And so I'm always the first friendship kind of cast off and you know, their, their journey is, is their own. And it's, uh, you know, I'm here. Yeah. It's like, it's just kind of like, I'm going to be that stable foundation that rock when, when my friend does come around and, and need that, then yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll be that, that friend again, but we maintain it when it is, um, when it's permitted, yeah. I'll, I guess I'll say. And your kids are what age? 17, 11, and 9. Okay. 17, 11, and 9. How, how did they handle all this? Pretty decent? Had some ups and downs? 
I mean, I would, I would assume that the most accurate answer is the ups and downs probably just because that's, that's the re when you're re orienting yourself with a family dynamics, especially when one changes a lot and one's you just changes houses or whatever, yeah. it's probably a lot to take on your relationship with a, your male figure, sure. father figure in your relationship with your, especially as a male, trying to come up in the world as a male, yeah. learning how to be a man, learning how to have strength and fortitude and uh, just emotionally regulate and have your own friendships and think about your own personality and all that. I, sure. I imagine there's probably a lot to, for kids in, I don't want to like to say broken homes, but kids in reorganized homes. Yeah, I like that better. <laughs> is definitely probably something that gives them extra things to work on. But yeah. I grew up in a definitely, a, I would say, a broken home. And it sure. just made me stronger. So sure. I trust that whatever comes their way and whatever lessons they learn. Is well. a 17 year old male or female? Yeah, well, all of them are male. Uh, oh, why? Wow, you have all boys. Yes, I do. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Huh. Very cool. And of course, the, the 17 year old is from a previous. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you guys pretty close? No, we were never close. Oh, oh no, my son. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my son, my son and I are yeah, super close. In a pod. Yeah, close with the bio or his no, father. Okay. Not in the not in the picture. Yeah, fascinating. <laughs> We've got man, we got so much to talk about. So I want to also talk about religion. Ooh. Let's take a quick pause for a commercial break. We'll be right back. It is so, so beautifully warm. Yes, it is. And I'm if it gets cold, so if it gets refreshing. too uh, hot in here, let me know and I can turn on the no, AC. I love it. Okay. I'm, I'm a I'm a warm body. Okay. So I, I brought this so I wouldn't be good. <laughs> um, so we share this in common. At least the the church. We don't need to mention the name, but you were going to a church that was similar to the church when I was pastoring in belief system. Uh, I was raised Pentecostal. You know. Uh, lay hands on the sick and speaking mm -hmm. in tongues and all the wild stuff. And I know that the church you went to was, was that way too. Uh, I think they even got it off into the uh, prof prophetical stuff too. And, and all that, the, the church you were at, at least I thought so super nice pastor. I will admit when I first came to town, um, that pastor had taken me to lunch and welcomed me to, to the city and, and was very gracious uh, awesome. to me. So, yeah. So in, in that way, just as a, a good human, you know, I thought he was a really very kind man. Uh, obviously I think the teaching is, is nutty, but I would say that about my own teaching back yeah. then. So, yeah. um, so when you think of religion and, and coming out of the, that evangelical upbringing, you know, the, the, the Bible's the word of God and every story in there is exactly true. And, and, you know, Noah built an ark and Adam and Eve were the first two humans. The earth is 6,000 years old. Um, Jonah was swallowed by a fish and lived in the belly of that fish for three days. Like, were you, cause you were talking about Bible study. I mean, those were the things that, that the group that we were a part of, uh, taught, you know, um, how did you deal with that stuff? Were you hook, line, and sinker bought into it and then started questioning it? Or were you always kind of a hybrid free thinker? What was kind of your journey from the that religious standpoint? And and when did that religious stuff start for you? Because if you lived in the home that you were in, I wouldn't imagine you guys were consistently attending church. So when did you come into this this religious stuff? So yeah, the home I grew up in, we were we were fair weather churchgoers and we attended on Easter. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so not even Christmas and Easter, no, just Easter. Just Easter. We which went is coming on Easter. Up, that's April 9th this year. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Today's Passover, by the way. Yeah. 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 So I still reverent a lot of those things. <laughs> so I, um, we, I did not have any regard for religion. I, I, as a kid, I was definitely one that was just, I was always a big questioner. I remember having long, endless talks with my uh, dad, my, when I say dad, I mean my adopted dad, but he was the, the only dad I've known. And, um, I, um, we used to, when I was a little kid, go into the garage and I, he would either help me deal with my anger. He would set up, you know, a hammer and nail and he would take this two by four and he would put it on the center of, you know, those uh, metal poles that uphold. Yes. Your, yes. Know, in the basement. Yes. Yeah. And he would make me just, I'd go beat the tar out of it. And I would angry. And it would, so he would help me through some of these things. And this garage became our just this thinking space, this cave for us to, I would ask him huge questions and we'd, and he would always refer back to me and go, what do you think, boo? And I would talk and he would just, he always said that I had this, this mind for bigger information. And I was never satisfied with how expanded a question was. I would want to break it down even more and, and, and expand those tangents even more. And he'd said, you would just, the way you processed, even as a five-year-old kid was just kind of like, you asked questions I could, I didn't know the answers to. And so I always had a mind that wasn't necessarily groomed for religion. Yeah. I was kind of but like a curious <laughs> a, mind. A some, you know, a pastor's worst nightmare, essentially. <laughs> 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 so I would find myself asking questions, well, if God's this, then why this? You know, if God loves everyone, then why are we going to hell? And, you know, I couldn't ever, you know, I don't like my my little sister and I had like this amazing civil sibling rivalry. It was hysterical. I was like, I wouldn't do that to her. And I don't even like her half the time. Right. So, you know, I just didn't, couldn't wrap my head around the concept of it. It didn't make sense. Because I couldn't wrap my head around the concept of it, I dismissed it. Like, that's not real. I went through so much suffering through my childhood, my formative years, my failed domestic violence situation as I moved out, and all of the stuff in between, that I was so desperate for an answer that by the time I had agreed to go to church with a friend... I point blank, I will not, I'll never forget this. I asked one of the pastor, the associate pastor at that church, I asked him just pretty, just straightforward, very deep cutthroat, black or white questions. And he answered them. And so at the time where I was, I was just fertile ground for some sort of relief that I think I did at the time. I was like hook, line and sinker. My life doesn't work. So this has to be something. Yeah. And every single person, if I recounted my life, every single person that just seemed to be happy, at ease, peaceful, they were all Christians. I didn't want anything to do with them at the time. Sure. But they were safe people. They were warm people. And so I think I just, I took all of those connections, all of those dots and what he was saying and my friend graciously inviting me. And I was just like, you know what? Take it all. I'm just, yes, just let me, it doesn't make sense. So faith never tried it. Let's try it. And I did. It was very much like I wanted to belong. I wanted answers. And I finally found a direction that was, this is going to organize some semblance of chaos and bring order to my life. Cause my life is all chaos. Yeah. I needed some kind of balance. So at first that's that's 
where it started. It it unraveled at some point when I realized that it wasn't going to be this one touch miracle. Right. And I started to, you know, I would pray. I'm like, okay, well, everybody said you pray and it, it, nothing's working. Nothing's changing. Yeah. There's a lot more to the answers that I need than just something that can be prayed about. So I started to get frustrated. The marriage is coming unraveled. I'm, I'm finding myself more and more disenchanted with the idea that it's just, it's all about faith. Right. Well, I've had faith for a lot of years <laughs> and this shit is not moving. So I'm try I'm still, and I'm going, okay, then I'll need to seek God. If God's silent, that's an answer. I've been told people when God doesn't answer your prayer, it's, it, it means don't move, don't, don't make a decision. You know, it's, it's a pause. It's still some semblance of an answer. So I would take not receiving any kind of change and I would gaslight myself like, well, God clearly, you know, this so stick with the scripture, God's for the family, keep, you know, all that. And I just kind of started to play this very dangerous game where I was waterboarding myself with suffering, but I was also gaslighting myself that God is still in my corner. And, and I was not honest until the moment that I was like, God, you know, show up or <laughs> show up or I'm out. Yeah. And it became this, almost this critical mass where I was just going, God, I'm coming unglued here. Yeah. I can't, I can't do this charade game anymore where I pretend that I, I give a damn about showing up every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, every single Saturday, volunteering, doing everything that I'm supposed to do. And my, my heart is still broken. Yeah. So it, um, I want to say that's where, you know, everything started to really my life. That's that catches you up to that moment where I walked in my house and didn't recognize anything. Yeah. But then it was interesting because this is the dichotomy that I don't quite understand with religion and relationship. I get relationship with Christ. Yeah. I get that part religion. I get, to the certain extent where it provides order to an otherwise chaotic life. It provides you a baseline. It's a belief system, yeah. It's something that provides you the a reference point. And I get that. We have totally fucked it up. We've completely contaminated what it was intended for. Yeah. And we use it for government and control and, and fear and all of that. The relationship part is free. I, I That's why he in any sense would be would have been sent and i get the concept yeah. he, god didn't want a barrier he didn't want the rich he didn't want humans in control of his, of, of access to him if we want to call if we yeah. want to say him and so it was like okay well this human sacrifice is perfect human sacrifice that now you can consult and move and use that as a vessel and now it's just a free connection yeah. because this this has already been this it's been paid yeah I get it. I still don't, I don't know how the, I don't know how the arrangement was, was made viable because it just seems, it still seems very barbaric to assume that we're supposed to rejoice in the brutal murder of someone that was perfect. Right. I, I can't, I, and I'm still working that out. Yeah. Through yeah. Like what, my, yeah. my yeah. leaving the church to my ending up walking back through the doors of a church, 
it was all very much a fully encompassed journey of like, okay, like Bruce Lee, take what, take what applies to you, discard the rest. Take what applies to you, discard the rest. And I think that's where so many of these quartered off religious practice gets so tangled is like they don't want to admit or allow or permit others to go explore something that would possibly disprove or possibly um, upend some of the some of the structure is one of the most profound moments that I've ever experienced have been a direct connection with God that didn't necessarily fit what would somebody would define as, Oh, well that's a, that I can clearly define that to yeah. my belief system. Yeah. That I can, I can rectify, I can reconcile what you've just told me because I can explain it through here. Yeah. And, um, I remember being in, the chapter of my life I would call the empty house is actually empty <laughs> where this newfound freedom, I was trapping myself with it and I was refusing to a certain point to go any deeper. I had done the work of pulling my whole family apart, felt free. It was great. New chapter, brand new. And then somewhere in the first six months of that, it was like this, Oh God, now what? And I felt panicked again. I felt that same, like, Oh, this was supposed to solve everything right. with one step. <laughs> now I have to go, you know, find out what I actually need. And I knew that there was internal searching and stuff still to do. And I didn't, I wanted nothing to do with it. No. Like, you don't know if I start pulling open some of these things with the childhood I've had and the, the big gap of the story in my childhood, I don't even know. And the memory, the time block, I don't even remember what happened to me for the first 12 years of my life. No memories whatsoever. Wow. I have like two and they're fuzzy. Yeah. Like I'm not opening that up. What if I find something? What if it's awful? And so it just was like, no way am I going to this exploration, this place of, of exploration. And I remember thinking I can only handle little bits of this. I'll search, but I can only handle little bits of this. And I the I used to have this ritual where the boys would leave for the weekend and I shut and lock the door. I'm like, okay, I can only, I, I could only be there for like 20 minutes where I'm like, I have to leave. I have to leave the house. Yeah. I can't, I've got to, I've got to come home so tired or so intoxicated that I'm, I'm going straight to bed. Interesting. I was like, I just want, I just want, I don't want to be here with me yeah. in my own four walls because I don't know what I'm going to do to me. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to think. I don't know what I'm going to feel and I don't want to. So I'm just, I would go out and numb yeah. and distract and then come home. Yeah. So there was one day that I just got curious, got a little bit of curious and I locked the door and I thought, okay, I'm going to stay here then tonight. I'm going to stay here instead. And So after the boys left, instead of going out to the same old routine, the same old, you know, I'm going to go out and distract myself and spend the whole night out. Gonna I go cannot, numb myself. Yes, going to go numb myself. <laughs> I got, I locked the door and I just was like, okay, I'm not unlocking this door tonight, just tonight. Let's see what I can come up with. The house was dark. I lit some candles and I was just like, what am I afraid? I kept asking myself, what am I afraid of finding here? What am I actually afraid of? Why do I keep leaving? Why can't I stand, what is it that I think that I'm going to find that's going to be so intolerable? And I started a bath and I got in the bath and I was like, okay, I definitely, I need to listen to something. I don't want to, I don't want to just 
leave it to chance. I'm going to listen to something positive. And I had been reading a lot of self-help books and a lot of cool like Joe Dispenza and Oprah Winfrey and Gabby Bernstein and stuff like that. Actually, I think this might have been before Gabby Bernstein, before my path with her. I think it might have been just touched. And, you know, there was an interview that Oprah did with Wayne Dyer. And it was so strange to me because... It was one of those moments where you were just going, how in the algorithm of all algorithms did this, these exact words, it was, it was almost as if he knew I was laying in a tub alone, struggling, searching, wondering, and slightly curious. Because then that interview happened and then it auto played something else just from him. And it was just like a, poetic, uh, something he had written that he was, that he was reading back. And I just remember feeling this coverage, this piece, this whole embodied return to self. I was none of me, none of my body, none of my mind, none of my spirit was grasping at the walls to get anywhere else than where I was. It was peace. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, I just want peace. That's all I want. I don't care about anything. I don't care about what happens, what doesn't happen, what I, I'm not seeking anything. I just want peace. I just want peace inside. I just want a connection to God and, and, and a peace with that, whatever it looks like. I have that above all things. And then it started to tie together piece by piece that it's, it's not, there are pieces of scripture that it's like, it's parable. It's not meant to be so literal, rigid, rigid yeah. and literal, but it's like, seek me above all things and all other things will be, will be given to you. Yeah. And that is like, okay, so scripture plays, a, it, it speaks to you. And if you read it in this year, you read it in this crisis, you read it in this, it's going to, it's going to move. Yeah. It's going to shape shift. It's going to fill those corners of the new depth of that question. Yes. I mean, one thing at one time, a different thing at another time. Exactly. So I started to go, okay, I don't need this. I'm, I'm, I'm grown enough in a practice or in a faith or in this kind of search with something greater than myself to where I don't necessarily need this elementary structure. I do want some sort of structure because leaving my life to chaos, it goes back to the same place. Yeah. But I knew that it meant a little bit more of a personalized, custom tailored fit journey, but I was personally responsible for it. My yeah. connection with God and the, to the degree that I put myself in hell by separating was this was, I was in charge of it. It was yeah. a will, it was a choice. And there were so many times where I would pray, but then I would let myself step back from needing the prayer to be what I may have been taught that an answer to prayer looks, sounds, feels like. Yeah. And there were so many neat synchronicities. And then this idea of the universe and God and energy and frequency and heaven and hell and all of this stuff kind of started to kind of braid a woven, like all encompassing thing. It's like, I can hang with this. Yeah. Because I felt one going one way you know, strictly church, strictly order, strictly process, strictly government, strictly all of that and ritual, I felt trapped. But in 
universe and divinity and spirituality and all i felt too loosey-goosey it felt yeah. it felt like i was putting myself to can to chaos yeah. so the order and the chaos finding that balance inside i need some of the structure i need some of the history i need some doctrine something that helps orient my mind in the best possible way it's like our mind and our mind structure, mind order, heart chaos. And so I just started to, these themes started to come together where it's like, it's order and chaos. Right. It's the synergy of it. It's almost like saying that health is just eating. Mm -hmm. well, well, actually that's not true, right? There's right. the movement of the body exercise and eating mm -hmm. and your mind and your right. thoughts and spiritual. It's, mm -hmm. it's a synergy of all those things working together rather than it's not just all heart yes, or all just exercise. Mm -hmm. There really is a, a, a blending of those things. And it right. sounds like that's what you're, what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I understand the, the nature of order is to reject chaos and the nature of chaos is to reject order. So I understand now why there's so many, you know, we have our religious right that are very just rigid and it's like, that's that works for them and that it, it orients them and their nature is to reject chaos it's by default it's they're operating in the very mode that they that's their mo yeah. chaos is the same thing we have these like loosey-goosey liberal hippie type or whatever that is like absolutely refuse they actually just like shun and ban no laws no rules no yes. police just free for all <laughs> it's, like, it's they're they're both in operating perfectly in alignment with their there's nothing wrong with it right that's what that's kind of it's the balance and there i feel like most of us are working our way to finding some semblance of the middle and that fully embodied fully it's masculine and feminine masculine right. order feminine chaos we it's it's really just it uh, got to a point where i really started to form my own journey without also without letting it be submitted to the judgment of man yeah. the judgment of the world of of not abiding by a certain structure it's like oh well you know be careful with that yeah it's like okay if i have personal conviction or personal discernment that i'm walking a strange line it's not what's good or what's bad right and i also learned that very very quickly it's yes, not a black or white good and bad that is order's job yeah. There is also what's wise, which does it's on the side of chaos yeah. because you're operating from a self-referencing. It may not be, it may not be good or bad, but is it of my highest good, which is a totally, it's a totally different subset of questions, but it does still end up adhering to order and allowing the room for chaos yeah because you're you're making that self-discernment which is usually if you're in all then all you have to do is orient yourself higher to god in order to make the right decisions for you it's not that god wants well this is me putting words in god mouth apologies hang on <laughs> <laughs> but just the idea of the free will aspect to choose that's the chaos. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you structure. I'll give you foundation. I'll give you boundary. I'll give you Jesus, the cornerstone of it all. But you have the will. You make that choice, which is where I go totally off the belief system that there is a destination for the soul. It's like if you're going to give us free will, why is there a consequence for one or the other that you impose? 
Well, that's just, yeah. I mean, when you think of the Christian stereotypical heaven Mm -hmm. and we talk about free will, well, then what happens to that free will when we go to heaven? Yes. It's taken from us. There is no free will in heaven. Right. And when I think about the structure of heaven and hell, I don't, I, I don't want either of them. Me, me either. Yeah. I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. I, I like this experiential stuff. I like this trial and error. I like the grit. I like the climb. I like the arena of this. Yeah. They say that I like being in the stands when I want to be in the stands. When I want to take a back seat to my life, I like having that choice. Yeah. I like having the ability to learn by experience that judging my neighbor is wrong, not because it feels wrong. It feels great. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But to know in my heart of hearts, that it's like that hurt me too. Yeah. And then I'm learning lessons of interconnectedness. That's very (laughs) profound, Kara, because even when I think about um, uh, some kind of a betrayal where someone feels that they, they feel bad maybe because they betrayed someone. What I learned through my therapy and through breath work and shamanic stuff that I went through very intense for a year it, at the end, it was fascinating because my breath worker asked me, she said, you know, if given the opportunity to, to betray, would you betray someone? And I was like, absolutely not because it wouldn't be a betrayal of that person. It would be a betrayal of myself. Yes. So when someone does betray someone, that's part of it. They did betray that person if there was some kind of promise or commitment there. But 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 the big betrayal was the betrayal of your own self. Yeah. It's a and promise you made to yourself. Absolutely. It's and so standard. yes. So that's so profound. Um yeah, anyway, sorry. No, the the talk about boundaries and standards and everything. It I spent a lot of years forgiving myself for the affair. Yeah. And, and then, so I could receive the forgiveness that my husband had given me. Yeah. It was so much more about, wow, the person you hope to show up as in this world, you screwed her over. You cost her some significant self-report. She doesn't trust herself anymore. And that's going to take a big chunk of time to get back. Yeah. And so the self-worth is the first thing to go out the window. And you spend a lot of years saying what you're going to do and listening to yourself go, no, you don't yeah. You don't stand for anything. You won't do that. No. And you have to, it's step by step by step, 1% better of going, I'm going to say that I say that I'm going to do this. And then I do it where that self-trust goes, Oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe she's, yeah. maybe she will. And then she will. Yes. That integrity has been fully become restored. integrated. Yeah. Yes. Who I say I am and who I am match. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. You know, while you were talking, I was thinking of it. And by the way, you're so articulate about the 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 story. I'm, I'm listening to you going, yeah, that's how I feel. I can't quite get those words out, though. <laughs> but, like, I was thinking also about you were talking about the the blending of of the being tethered to or having the, the centeredness of, you know, the religious aspect and also the spiritual and all that. And for me, the the biggest freedom that I've, felt in my journey when I walked away from religion, Mm -hmm. it was really walking away from 
religion's God, the, the, what, how religion had structured God here's mm-hmm. cause I I've always believed in that scripture. The truth will set you free. Right now. What I thought I that meant as a Christian and what I think now as a free thinker, spiritual person, it's, it's different, but same concept. It, in other words, I think it's what it was intended to mean, which is I want truth, truth, not, mm-hmm. not just what someone says is true, what they believe to be true, what they hope to be true or what, could be true. Like, no, I, mm-hmm. I want actual truth. Right. So I, and I want to believe actual truth, you know, did Noah actually build an ark and two of every creature got on that? Like mm-hmm. actually factually, like yeah. really, or is this a, a metaphor for something different? Right. right? So I want to make sure I'm believing the truth as much as I can and can understand it. So when I think about religion's version of God, when I let go of that is when the freedom and the joy and the peace and the, the connectedness, I feel mm-hmm. more connected to God's source, whatever you want to call it, earth, mother earth, like all of it. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel way more connected to this, whatever this force might be than I ever did as a religious Christian that prayed and went to church and I tithed and I did then, and, you know, no, whatever to each their own. But for me, that did not, that created guilt and shame. And I did, it was just not a good fit for me. I think it's, it's where a lot of people get strung up because I left the church and a lot of people hear the words, I left the church and they think that there's some sort of bitterness or something. No, I'm grateful that in a time in my life and I needed that, that, that hard four walls of rigidity and structure and machine, I needed it because yeah. I was so, so far. It's the pendulum swing, right? I, I was, I was in total chaos. I went to religion. It was a total oral pendulum swing that. again. Yeah. Went back to meditation and crystals and astrology and all that crap. W- pendulum way too way too far over again. Yeah. And I need it. I needed the correction of the consecration. Like no, filter out. No, filter out. No, filter out. And then eventually, you find yourself with clearer discernment of that. I I I know me enough, and I know God enough to know like that's that's my vibe. That's what came to me. Yeah. And I think that that is that truth that sets you free because it, it makes you more you, yeah. which we are, if we are this embodiment of God, if we're made in the image of God, then the further that you can seek yourself sounds to me, that's the same path of the further you can th- seek God. Yeah. So the more I know me, it sounds like that's almost a cheat code to getting to know God more. As long as you find a way to have this steady discernment of understanding that your emotions and your wants and your desires and your lust and your gluttony and all that crap is going to screw you over. Yeah. But also knowing that rigidity and structure and only being in your mind and being in of law and rule and is also going to screw you over and finding out where that lies for you. And I actually don't love the phrase my truth because I think people use it to just it's a virtue signal to over overlay right. over the top of other people. Right, right, right. I, I don't think it's been used wisely, but my truth as it is, is the freedom to discern my own path without anybody necessarily having a dictation over it, having yeah. the right to dictate over it. Yeah. So 
It's, yeah. It's, I had a conversation with a very spiritual uh, person this week. I had some good friends of ours, uh, Brian and Cindy. We were staying over at their house on the on our way down to uh, Eureka Springs to do some wedding planning stuff. Mm-hmm. And how many days uh, is it, by the way? We have twenty five days oh from today. Gosh. Yeah, um, so excited. But uh, the fascinating thing, I, I was, I felt, I was kind of shocked that that she said something that I really had never thought of before. And that sounds kind of egotistical, but I was here. I'm like, man, here I am. Was a pastor for thirty years. You know, read the Bible multiple times. And and just had never quite considered what she had said. And it literally <laughs> answered so many questions that I had with this one statement, which I'll share. So we all have heard those within the Christian faith that that God is love. Right. Everybody knows that God is love. God is love. You know, you abide in him and he abides in you. God, what all that stuff. Well, I was telling I was explaining just how I really struggle with this. There's only one way. There's only one way and and it's Jesus, meaning, you know, Hindus are wrong. Buddhists are wrong. Crystals right. and all that stuff. It's all, everything's wrong. Only yeah. Jesus. Christian is the only way I, you know, I, I think that's complete bullshit. I don't think that's true. I don't think even Jesus would have intended it to be taken that way. I, I think it's completely misread, but she said one line that literally made it all make sense. She said, well, what if Jesus is love? So the only way to God is through love, not that just God is love, but Jesus. So Jesus was sent to the earth to embody love. So it's not, I pray the sinner's prayer. I accept Jesus in my heart and now I'm going to go to heaven. We mm-hmm. No, Jesus came to earth to spread love, do good to those around you, be kind, charitable, you know, love mm-hmm. your neighbor as yourself and, and, you know, all these things, you know, love your enemies, right? Like turn the other cheek, like all these things. And that one line, she just said to me, what if, when you think of Jesus is the, is the way, the truth and the life, there's no other way to God except through Jesus. What if you take out the word Jesus and say love? And I literally was like, <laughs> what the fuck? I've not thought of it like that it just it really just kind of like it's like you're trying to fit something in and all of a sudden the thought of that it was like clunk mm-hmm. and it just sunk in and i was like oh. that's a that's a resonation i was like that's... yeah that's fascinating because i've always struggled with or not i don't struggle with it anymore but i i had wrestled with this whole idea that only the Christian way is right. And because right. I'm just like, there's no way there's no, that's just there. I don't. And it's not because and if it is, it's tragic. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it, and exactly. I've, I've said this publicly that if that is the way it is set up, it's stupid. Like that's a dumb way to set it up. It's just insufficient for the needs it, of, yes. our, of in, imperfect people. Absolutely. And, Especially and there's 8 billion of us. Well, not to mention the, the sheer fact of your religious faith is inexplicitly tied to your geographic location. So you're born in India, you're Hindu, you're born in Thailand, you're Buddhist. So to say to mention that all of these things were human created, right? In, undoubtedly, even yeah, Christianity was human created, right? Jesus wasn't a Christian. He was Jewish. And so 
so that's a thing, right? So clearly, Jesus, if you really want to be like Jesus, you need to be Jewish. But anyway, so but not just that, you also take into account what what I said offline, when you take into account the fact of human history, that we think minimum went back 100,000 years, most likely 300,000 years. And with recent archaeological discoveries, could possibly care even go back million ish millions of years of homo you know hope some form of of human Human. so wow so god sits up in heaven let's just go with the hundred thousand so god sits up in up in heaven for ninety eight thousand years letting people be lost and undone and to and fro and making up bullshit and thinking this and that about what the god of the clouds the god of this rain the god of the and then finally, finally, <laughs> he sends an answer after all this. So, like Guys. that just doesn't even make sense. Like you know, you would think that if if, if God you know created human beings and or seated, well, however it happened, I don't know. I wasn't there. You would think I that don't he would. Know. I wasn't there. <laughs> you would think that that a, a loving, omniscient, all powerful God would have instilled. Okay, guys, to the first two humans. Here is the. Here's the. I wrote down some stuff for you. Mm-hmm. This is the absolute truth. Carry this with you, right? right. So, but that wasn't. That isn't what happened. And throughout history, you know, we know that throughout history there have been countless religions that have come and gone. And even within the Christian faith, I think up to date, there's like thirty-four thousand different denominations within the Christian faith. So even Christians themselves don't see it. Yeah. But of course if you're a Christian listening and and I was like this, your interpretation is the one that is mm-hmm. the right one, right? Like that, the Baptist, no, we're right. And the assemblies got, no, we're right. Lutheran. No, we're right. Catholic. No, we're right. Mm-hmm. You can't all be right. Like, right. so what is the truth? So exchanging the, the, the term Jesus and what did Jesus embody love? Ah, so it really is like what you said earlier. It's like all these things, or maybe I did earlier when we we're talking offline, all these religious practices and faith and different things, if you boil them all down, they do kind of come back to love for the most part. It, it, it's about love and being being a, a person that lives in such a way that brings about health and right. vibrance and, you know, and, and also I th- you said something else. There's so much I, when I was listening to you, I go, Oh my God, I, that's some stuff I learned too. That was life transforming is I lived in such a duality, good and bad Christian and not churchgoer and not heaven and hell. Like there was such this us and them mentality, which is so terrible. It's very divisive. We see that politically, right? Mm-hmm. Republican, Democrat. Blah, 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 blah. So when you said that you 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 don't even like using the words good and bad, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting because that was one of the things that in my therapy that that every time I would even say that, she'd say, no, 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 Timmy, no, 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 it's not good and bad, it just is, mm-hmm. it just is. Because like, if you I leave it as bad. is, it's still information. Once you label it bad, it's to be shunned, it's to be feared, it's to be shamed. Exactly. Good. You don't even, when you win, you still don't really learn unless you have applicable process that you can say, okay, what did I gain from this? How can I repurpose it for future good? If you can't, it's still, it's, it's useless. 
And so if we can make it just is, it's all usable information that can be recanned and improved. It's because even when I, when I was, when I went through my divorce, you know, within the church, right, it's bad. That's bad. And what better way to motivate or govern people, though, than making them fear? And what greater fear than eternal damnation? Right. There's no further, there's no punishment beyond that that you could motivate me more by telling me the eternal structure of my soul will be eviscerated for eternity in hell. I can't think of a more powerful way to, to motivate us when we were. When we were a population that was less really sophisticated yeah. and, and more barbaric in our in our concepts, yeah, of course. Like I am a hundred percent. You you tell me this good, this bad. Yeah. I am okay. Then yeah. we don't do that anymore. And then so for Christian looking at other Christian but with a different belief structure, why don't we read the other books, read the other religions, understand them? Why fear? We've been told don't look that way. That's bad. Eyes on me, eyes on what we're doing, eyes on our books, eyes on our stuff. Yeah. If you read them, don't pollute your mind with that. They're the same thing. Yeah. In different ways, they sure. have their own hypocrisies. They have their own ridiculousness. They have their own nonsense. They have their own beauty. They have their own lesson. They have their own timelessness. They're the same thing. Yeah. And when you're locked into this echo chamber, which I was at that time. And, you know, and I've studied a lot on confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. And so you, you do, it's, 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 you get into this confirmation bias to where everything about your life, your friends, your, the influence, what you watch, what you read, what you see, all of it is continuing to support your held, your held belief. Because what wraps it all together? I don't know. The fear of the others. Oh, right. Exactly. So I was specifically told no, don't ever read about Hinduism. That will just pollute your mind. It'll, it'll. So I was literally in this little bitty box feeling so trapped. Well, and think about that for a second too. You have this fear built echo chamber where what's, what's in there? People that believe you like you, people that think like you, people that look like you, people that live like you, yeah. all of this felt is somewhat there. safe. Why do you think this world has gotten so polarized? Because we've recognized our echo chambers are doing nothing but screwing us over. We have these people. And then so you're looking at people and we're throwing out the word racism. We're throwing out the word homophobic. We're throwing out the word. Why? Because people live in echo chambers by choice because they look like them, think like them, live like them, believe like them, et cetera. And now we're all recognizing I'm here with my echo chamber. You're w- there with yours. I'm a hypocrite by saying mine's not, but I'm calling you what I fear runs the whole, yeah. we're kind of all operating under the same thing. So it does seem to be a dichotomy between fear and love. Yeah. Love breaks it open, but love is ultimately the thing that most people are afraid of because it would open our eyes. It would set us free. It yeah. would be the truth that essentially breaks everything open for us, which means the structures that keep people governed and in control and organized fail. Yeah. So what better of a weapon to promote than love, but in order to, in order to keep even that harbored by fear, people that want to govern, people that want to be in control, et cetera, they have to keep fear alive, Yeah. which is basically the motivating fuel behind every single political message, every, every religious ideology. It's fear-based. Don't, don't look at, you know, don't, oh, not them. Not that they don't look like us. They don't think like us. They don't believe like us. Yeah. And so the whole, 
if you, if you want to break down Jesus in the form of like, if we exchange that word Jesus for love, think about it this way too, because then everything, if you think about it, that reconciles everything. If that's true, that reconciles it all. We even have the idea that Jesus as a, as a figure, as a, as a human being who represented perfect love, perfect love has a balance of chaos and order, which I would say will have grace and truth. Jesus told you like it was the way that you are living is, is in sin to sin means to miss the mark. It doesn't, it's not some weird, like, Oh, we're all sinners. Like we all miss the mark. We're all human. Right. But then we have grace. Go. I, I still, I still love, I am still me. I still love you. This is true about you. You've lived your life this way. It is not wise, not bad or good. It's not wise and good for your soul. But here I am covering it. We talk about cover. We talk about blood. We talk about cross. We talk about sacrifice, all of that. It totally reconciles all of it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. That's a good word. It, it does reconcile that. And, and yeah, the, the thought of there's only one way it's much more, um, palatable, especially for me to think of love as the way, Mm -hmm. like that is the only way to love and gosh, yeah, just, it really changed my, my whole thinking around this side. Cause I love Jesus. I mean, I love the, I believe Jesus existed, you know, there, I believe he's a person of history and, and I, I believe he was many, many things. Um, but the fundamental, that evangelical belief system, it just, it, well, it's, it, again, it's so polarizing and it's so, uh, not considerate of, of other faiths and other belief systems. Um, but you, but you put in there in the word love and it's like, Hmm, now this does make more sense to me. And it makes more universal sense when you think about global, you know, that, that, life is not just about those of us in the Midwest. There's another, <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a whole nother world out there with, with belief systems and that practices. Totally different things with cows. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So this, um, so you, I really appreciate you sharing, um, your insights and your journey of faith. I, a lot of people that listen to the podcast, um, I talk about two things. I talk about dating, love, and relationships, and I also talk about spirituality. And I've had so many letters or emails and and people that have messaged me from all around the world and have said how much they appreciate um, the a lot of the podcasts that talk about just my personal spiritual journey or bringing in friends and people that I know that have also been on a spiritual journey that might not be the the classic. Uh, stereotypical Christian version, because I think we all still, I I said, we all shame and guilt is definitely a part of, of life, especially if you've come up in a Christian home and, and a religious view, it's very, especially a lot of Catholics in the world, shame and guilt is huge. It's, and, and to be able to let go of that and, and accept that it didn't have to be that way. Like there, there is there is a journey that that you're okay. Like it's 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 okay. You don't you don't have to align with this religious perspective if it doesn't resonate with you. And I think resonation is getting 
it's getting a bad rap. Like it's a lot more whimsy than it really is. Yeah. There's so much to be said about, cause I, I am in church. I am reading the Bible and I am somebody who practices Christianity. I think Jesus was I in starting that, that show the chosen, putting a face to it and a, and a, and an emotion to it, putting personal, it has helped my relationship, but that show is getting absolutely eviscerated with critics. Which show? Uh, the chosen. Is that the modern day? It's, it's still placed back then, oh, okay. but it's Jesus's life and Jesus. Oh, okay. And I started it cause I, is that a Netflix? My, uh, this, you know? the first season is okay, the rest okay. of it. I think it's elsewhere. Okay. I think, but I know that the angel network is who does it. And for me, it was so incredibly valuable because my relationship with Jesus has always struggled a bit because I was still operating on the, you know, everything that feels like it goes more with heart or love or just the feeling of it. You kind of are programmed that you're getting into this danger zone. And I think that's the religious mm, intent that if I can get you fearful and back in structure where you almost distrust your own emotions and distrust yourself when you do go into something that, you know, that doesn't feel right. It's like, well, you're an imperfect human. You're a sinner. Listen to God. Right. Eyes back on the book. I think that this is where some of this conflict really starts to turn people either off of religion or makes it like you said, this narrow road of more just radical like just that eye of the needle is where my truth lies. And it's the truth for all of the world. I can't mm. think of a more narcissistic statement than that. Yeah. And if it is the case, then it's like, let live and let live. Yeah. It, you're, you're this, where wow. we start to, where we start to get ourselves in trouble is this idea of saving others. And like you said, the evangelical notion that I know from your life better than you know for your life because I know your God. Right. Wow. Yeah. And what a what a a disservice to the potential connection you could have with that person because I can't think of anything that could make me feel more segregated from a person than to think they know my God and my purpose and my life and my direction better than I do. Yeah. I do understand that I, in the left to my own devices, can get myself in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And left to, with with nothing but structure, I can still get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. It's like talking about um, Adam and Eve in, in the Garden of Eden. They were with, if we're going to say God is pure love. They were in the garden with pure love. They felt no shame. They knew God. They walked with him every single day without any barrier. Then what is the tree? What is the snake? It's knowledge. It's order. It's the idea that the mind comes into it. Our knowledge of good and evil, our knowledge of this shame, our knowledge of judgment and being separate from God. The knowledge of good and evil. We, We chose to take on knowledge and abandon our relationship with love. Yeah. So... That's nothing different than the struggle that we go through right now. We know we feel that we won't burn in hell for all eternity for our, our life choices or whatever. We know that we feel like I can 
I, I, I don't think that that is true. We can feel that, but then we're supposed to somehow consult or abandon. It, it just seems to me like the balance between love and the mind, the heart and the mind, always seem to be conflicting. And if we keep them in balance in a mind-heart mind coherence, which is what science would teach us with a whole other subject of how religion views science. Yeah. It's just the exploration of further knowing our God right. in a different format. So I, uh, I've i definitely done a great deal of thinking about oh, this Oh, you definitely thing. have because you, you're able to articulate and, and speak uh, clearly on how you've, you know, come to, to understand it. And it, you know, and it, a lot of that resonates with me greatly and it's been part of my journey as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's neat hearing someone else say things where I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But because I, I also think that for a, you know, a fundamental Christian that feels like the way that they are now connected or feel that they're connected with God, then is therefore the way that everybody should connect with God. But, but the thing that I, I, I listened to a, a podcast the other day and I thought this was fascinating. The, the speaker was talking about how, because he's spiritual and not religious, he said, you know, the thing that I've always struggled with is that, that even Christians don't see things the same. So really when people say, well, you know, I believe this, what they're saying is that they have, they believe in the particular interpretation that they have chosen. So that is very narcissistic to think that you have the correct interpretation of this holy book and that anyone else with a differing perspective or a differing interpretation is wrong. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's. And I can hear the, the establishment in my mind, even right now with what we're talking about, with the way that we're talking about, with what we're saying and the words that we're saying, we're, we've run into this huge danger zone do not cross. You are the way that you're speaking even. And I'm going, if I'm confused, if I'm feeling negatively about something, if I'm feeling shame of myself, that's not of God. So any type of judgment that somebody wants to offer somebody because they have their own relationship with God, trying to speak over it and correct it. If you're going to get at that message or at that critique of my own religion by using shame, You've already disqualified yourself. You already told me you're not of God to begin with. Right. Because my God does not confuse me. My God does not shame me. My God does not judge me. My God gave me the power to be able to choose my path and to to very, very seriously go, I'm giving you free will. You love me. Follow me and choose what is wise for your soul. Choose what is good for your soul. So in moments... Like I have a, I'm going out with a girlfriend. She does not drink. She had a problem with drinking. So do I go out and drink? What's right or wrong? I don't have a problem with it. It's totally fine. What's wise? Right. What is good in that sense? What is good for her soul to not trip her up? What is good for my soul to support my friend? Right. It would be to not drink. Right. There's a lot of moments where what's technically permissible in this world, especially with the world where the rule book seems to just be like torched. Right. What is good or bad, we've pretty much eviscerated that. Nobody cares about 
the law anymore. Nobody cares about structure or order anymore. It seems like the more and more we can get away with from that, it's it's just turn another 24 hours and we found a new way to do it. Yeah. But what is good for our souls? What is wise and unwise? And yeah. that is an individuation. That is a process that I'm going to go through or somebody else is going to go through. And where structure is beneficial, certainly as a guidepost for those who are really lost, just like I was walking into the church. I had no idea what I was doing there, but I knew that my life was just chaos. It had no structure. It had no form. It was not, there was no compass. And if I think about Jesus being the center of that compass, we then think about this whole 360 way of relating to the world around us. And that complexity as a human with a compass with North, South, East, West, 360, like the whole orientation with others, ourselves, love our neighbors, and be connected with God and then to ourselves. I can't think of a more doomed to fail concept than to go into somebody else's world, somebody else's experience, somebody else's mind, somebody else's family, somebody else's heart, somebody else's life, somebody else's belief structure, somebody else's upbringing, somebody else's trauma, somebody else's time frame, somebody else's culture, somebody else's geographic location, and then try to say, there's only one. <laughs> there's only right. one. Good luck. Yeah. Because if you take that, all other religious doctrines, you have books that are usually associated with every single, there's usually a book of some kind, some sort of structure written down. They do predominantly talk about love. Yeah. And the way to orient yourself closer and closer to that. Yeah. They just call it God. They call it something else. Yeah. And all of the world doesn't resonate with that idea of there's only one way. There's a lot of ways to build a house. There's a lot of ways to do photography. There's a lot of ways to build a business. There's a lot of ways to do friendship. There's a lot of way to do marriage, a lot of ways to do marriage. There's a lot of ways to do raise children. There's a lot of ways to do a lot of things. Now, clearly there are wise and unwise ways mm-hmm. within there. But when you, when you think about ways to, to build a house, yeah, there would be some unwise ways, but there's a lot of ways that would be wise. Mm. And so who is to say, well, then the way that I've chosen to to do is the one that everybody should do. That just doesn't make sense. Or even better, somebody that has chosen a certain path. It's like the woman that was caught in adultery. Yeah. Perfect example. Jesus walks up to her and they're ready to stone her. And so she, he turns to the crowd and says, he who is without sin, who has the right and the righteousness, the pure heart to stone her. He knows that that person, if they had not ever missed the mark, that person would not. They would have a heart of compassion for her. Right, because Jesus was that person. So he is without sin, cast the first stone. Any of you qualify yourself by living a perfect life, stone her then. And then he says, nor do I condemn you. And he had the right. Right. If we're going to call it that. So it's odd to me that we live in this world where we're calling one sin greater than another, that this one's problematic, that this one's like your judgment and your world. Okay. So we have a, let's use avatars here. We have a white Christian married woman 
who has, you know, number of her own sin, but it's not necessarily homosexuality. She rails against homosexuality, calling it a sin. She doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't agree with that. She doesn't believe in that. She doesn't support that. She'll vote against it. She's just, she's against that. Okay. For the sake of hypotheticals, that, that sin of homosexuality, missing the mark, missing the ideal of heterosexual design. Let's open the closet of her life though. Has she had an affair on her husband? Does she lie to her children? Does she, is she guilty of gluttony? Is she overweight horrendously, abusing her body, abusing the vessel God that gave her? All missing the mark, all sin. It's just not the one that she wants to focus on. Right. It's not the one she feels worthy of a stone. But we take people like, oh, you've had an abortion. I can't believe you did that. We have zero ability to grasp and understand what somebody's mind and heart has to go through in their life where that is their choice. That is their situation. So he is without sin, cast the first stone. Nobody is here with any right to cast stones on anyone. Yeah. We, have the, we have laws that are created to govern us on what is wise and unwise. The very, very foundational basics. Don't murder each other. Right. <laughs> Don't steal shit. <laughs> But as far as lifestyle choices, there is no, where we can make and draw a black and white line. I would like to say for my own life, if my ideal structure were to just be law, that's my ideal life structure. Right. It is not designed to be law. It's how I have lived my life. If you can live your life differently without breaking universal law against your fellow man, I think it's none of your damn business. Right. hundred percent. Yeah, that was part of my, my part of my departure when I really began turning the corner was I supported, you know, gay marriage. Mm -hmm. And of course that, that outed me, you yeah. know, and, and which is funny because I remember, I remember thinking to myself, wow, so how fucked up is that? God's going to create someone gay and then say, don't be gay. <laughs> or create love and then say, but not for you. Right. That's because I have been around I was doing that same thing. I was in that same struggle in photography when I was uh, inquired by my first gay couple. I remember how long ago it was. And I remember having a serious crisis in my heart going, am I, is this, is this, I was confused. Like, is this okay? Yeah. You were taught your whole life. That am I okay to, like, these are just, I, I felt in my heart, I was like, these are just me. These are my people too. These are just people. Why am I supposed to feel not just different, but exile them from my existence, from my, or from my career, from my work, from my life, from my day to day? How can I live in a world with people that I am not supposed to live in the world with? And then I, could, I couldn't figure it out. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> I, was like, I think back then I was like, God, forgive me. I don't know what to do, but I'm yeah. just going to, you know, this, I'm going to move ahead and take this client. And I, I got to the house and I remember being like in their presence, in their home, watching them interact with each other, with their family. And I was going, God, this is love. Mm -hmm. I, not that I have to defend it, not that I'm explaining it, but I feel and know 
this is love too. Mm -hmm. They were so warm. They were so kind. They were so like every other person I've ever encountered. And I have people in my family that are gay. I'm like, what do you make of them? Yeah. And it didn't, something didn't fit. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm either taking, I had, I had the choice to make after this. I was like, cause I didn't hear anything in that prayer. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go. I got home and I remember thinking, you know, God, if I know you at all, this is a choice, a very easy choice. I have a human being and I, I have a belief structure. And the people that are making me choose between people and this belief structure are other people. So my mind is made up. I'm choosing the people because that's what I think you would choose. So, and I put it to bed. It was probably 15, 16 years ago. I just put it to bed. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't, I don't, I will not subscribe to the idea that we are putting our opinions and our beliefs over overlaying the top of other human beings. And that's approved of endorsed and encouraged by God. If God is love, if what I know about God, if there's certain places that says God is love, then it doesn't all the little places where God is not love in this one situation. It sounds to me like that's a people program. Yeah. Same when it came to, um, trying to, when, when we're, when we're getting down to the brass tacks of like how we vote and everything. Yeah. So we become such animals toward each other. Yeah. Especially we, the last few years. Oh my Goodness God. gracious. We put a yard sign in our, our front lawn that basically says, I'm, I believe this over my neighbor, over the face of you. Right. Over my peace in my neighborhood, in my own home with you, I'm putting, I'm staking my personal opinion in the front lawn. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. If you do not subscribe to what is on my lawn, we no longer, or I lost so many friends. So did I. Family members even, that we just do not have the same same connection that we used to. Yeah. It's sad. It's absolutely, it's, it's a travesty because we just, we missed the mark. Yeah. In the biggest way possible. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy last few years. I know one day my, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a papa. I'm a papa. Do you know I'm a grandpa? Maybe. Uh, I have, I'll have to show you a picture here when, when I get my phone. Yeah. I have a little grandbaby. He's, uh, his name's Kayo. Uh, anyway, in reference to him, I, you know, he's going to grow up one day and be like, Papa, did you, you live through, <laughs> through the COVID? <laughs> like, tell me about that time. Like, oh, oh man, God. it was a shit show. <laughs> it was a shit show when the world shut down. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. We could definitely talk about that, but I hate all that shit. So I, I want to, that, all that stuff we just talked about was, is beautiful. I, I really treasure that conversation just because I, I, I love talking about that stuff because it it's part of the journey for me, you know, when I first left the church, I definitely was a little jaded, you know, was like, fuck religion, fuck the church, mm. blah, blah, blah. you know, and I kind of went through that. And then I kind of came full circle to where I, you know, I'm definitely not a Christian, but I resonate still with many of uh, the connection points. You know, I, I still love Jesus and I think he was dope and all that stuff. And I still go to church on occasion. I go to a, a Methodist church downtown but they're, you know, they're very open and, you know, it's a very, uh, diverse crowd and, and, and it's a liberal, uh, theological liberal, 
meaning, you know, they don't stand up there and, and say ridiculousness where I'm just like, Oh dear Lord, this takes me back to, you know, fundamental religious days that it has to be this way or no other way. And, and so I, I like their, I like that. I like that they're a little bit more open and, and that they, you know, say, you know, maybe Jonah was swallowed by a fish, but, but also maybe not, maybe that's just an allegorical story. So I like that they do that because again, I come from where they go, no, it absolutely is a fact. And if you don't believe it's a fact, you know, you're, you know, whatever. And so you're screwed. Yeah, you're screwed. So I was like, okay, I, I just, I can't do that. Um, so I still appreciate my, my, I've come full circle to now appreciate my spiritual heritage. Growing up religious is spirituality, you know, within religion, there is spirituality. And so it has helped lead me to where I am today. And it, it definitely opened the door for me to, to, have a connection um with source or, or with god and and to be curious about all that stuff you know and i have a i have some good atheist friends that are very um you know pretty hardcore atheist and and all that kind of stuff and we also have great conversations about spiritual stuff and and there are a lot of mysteries there are a lot of things that you know science can't answer mm-hmm. uh, and religion can't answer I mean, there's you know even though religion i think the funny thing about religion it, what you said about being narcissistic or egotistical, e- egotistical, it, it, that's so true because to say, you know, the, the, all the mysteries of the universe is like, well, no, but we know because because <laughs> there's this book, you know, it's just like, huh, you know, it, it clearly religion, part of religion came as this mystery that we all, where do I come from? Where am I going? after I die and what is the purpose of life? Well, you know, religion can wrongfully answer those questions pretty clear. You know, it's pretty black and white. Where do we come from? God, you know, where are we going? Well, heaven or hell, it's your choice. What's the purpose of life? Well, to love God, love your neighbor. Like it's just very succinct. And so some people find that comforting with that certainty I think for me, I, I reveled in certainty. Then I became, now I would say I'm, I'm uncertain, but I find peace and comfort in my uncertainty. I don't know what happens when I die. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know that to close my eyes here means that I wake up in heaven or I go back to source or I am reincarnated or what I don't know. I, you know, and, and, and you know, and reality is nobody actually knows now they believe, you know, they have faith in. Great. Everybody has their own belief and we faith. We know when and, we experience. Right. And I haven't experienced a lot of my answers yet. And so yeah. I'm not signing my name to a lot of these things because, and that's why I think I'm not willing to sign my name to a lot of things because once I do, you know, it's it's answered. Yeah. And I'm kind of in the process of life to experience. And I know that that's my purpose because I've experienced that to experience life answers my questions. And that's the purpose of it is yeah. to experience. And I felt that would come within myself so many years ago. That's yeah. the purpose of life to experience it. Right. And so that permits exploration period for the sake of it. And, you know, nothing else has made more sense to me. So it still remains an unanswered question, just like everything else. I'm yeah. not in a hurry to answer any of them either. Yeah. So. Well, I just know that when I do die, a long time from now when I do die, well then those answers will be revealed. 
or not. Or not. <laughs> exactly. That's it's because yeah, it, at that point I'll know or not know, but at that point is that's where I'll be. So who knows? And I'm okay with that. You know, I, I've had some of my old Christian friends that have, you know, that try to save me, um, try to, to witness to me, to bring me back. And, you know, and I, I'll sometimes giggle cause I'm like, you just don't understand where I'm at because it's, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel lost. I don't yeah. feel, uh, I just, I don't feel that way at all. I feel it so much peace. People are- understand others to the degree that they understand their own journey. And so when you have somebody that's trying to save or speak into you, I think it's just out of, you know, your, your further disenchantment with certainty is kind of shaking theirs a little bit Mm -hmm. as more people. It's like, Oh my gosh, I thought I knew this person. And so it's like, it's a panic. So, um, we disorient a lot of people with knowing what we know through our own experience that they're, the further we go down the line, the more we, the older we get, the less we know, the more that I learn, the less that I know, the more that I experience, the less I know. So I'm actually a lot of the places that I had periods and and things just sorted and figured out in my life. I don't think I have any of those left. Right. I'm left with all of them going, yeah, well, thought I had an answer. Now I don't. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I don't know. I never thought, have you, did you ever see the movie, the village? Where they think, live in the I village so. and through the woods, there's monsters. And, yes, and, and then it ended up being, yeah, that's Ended that's up just being story. Dallas, Texas, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> it's in it, all of the Truman Show, you know, it's, I feel like that's what it was. I, I lived in the Truman Show world and felt, felt at odds with it, you know, felt like just, it wasn't, I wasn't resonating with it fully. And when I finally allowed myself to think this thought, which was, what if what I believe or what I've been taught yeah. isn't actually true? Like and that what question you if, grow and expand. And when I let go of that, it, it was scary right at first, totally a little bit scary, but, but quickly it just opened up this entire world. Again, it's like when Truman finds the end of the, the studio that he was living in mm-hmm. and walked out and here he is in the middle of, of this, you know, LA or wherever he was, it was just like this epiphany of like, Oh my gosh, like I was living in this small little world and there is a huge world out beyond Mm -hmm. for me to explore and to learn and to grow and to, to understand. So, yeah, it's just been such a wonderful journey. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier with, with my journey. Um, it's been, it's been just a joy for me to, to go through it all. All right. So, we talk a lot about love and dating and relationships. And so I have to ask because I, I'm, this is part of what I always talk about in my show. So tell me about your, I'm assuming, are you dating? Are you single? Are you um, just being you? I mean, do you, are you, where are you at in that, in that headspace? Uh, that's a great question. It's another one of those unanswered questions for me that I, I vacillate in my life between, you know, I know that a relationship is the the most amazing mirror that you can possibly use. I believe that there has been some recent things I have learned about myself that a relationship mirror would actually just be two mirrors of 
unhealed trauma and the level of things that I'm learning about myself. I'm in a place now where it's like, okay, I am so good with my own four walls and myself. Like years ago when we were talking earlier about, you know, when the door would close, I was like, oh my God, I need, I need something there. I need a distraction. I need to numb. I can't feel. And what I was avoiding was just me, that presence of, of just me without anything between me and me to avoid seeing it, to avoid feeling it to myself, this orientation with everything that I'd been through. I went from a chaotic childhood to a chaotic formative years to a chaotic marriage. And then I was alone. There was no chaos. And so I thought that in this place of quiet, I was going to discover something inherently wrong with me. And as I've learned and grown and discovered more pieces of myself and discovered all the things that were not me and shedding away, I spent a lot of years going the opposite direction, adding more to my life, adding more to my plate, adding more to my qualifications. And I'm more educated now and more experienced now and have more titles and subtitles and certifications and all that. And I kept trying to bury myself under all this other stuff. And I've spent, gosh, the last, specifically the last year, but the last several years, kind of almost separating all of my, the who I am, the what I am, the what I do, all of that stuff. Just trying to get, get a grasp on what I am under all of the, all of, all of that. And in the last year, I have developed such a good relationship with just who I am in my own four walls that I'm in this really weird place where I fast forward my life standing in the kitchen. I'm, I don't know, messing around with plants and my son, little, little workshop flowers are everywhere. Plants are everywhere, you know, fresh food, herbs, like kids are, you know, grown and doing their own thing or coming and visiting and birds. And I'm just, I'm in this vision having my coffee and doing my morning thing and just feeling really peaceful and blissful in my own presence. I hope this doesn't stay this way because I know that partnership is just such a great thing to experience, but I find myself in that vision, not wanting it to be interrupted with another presence. Yeah. And so I will absolutely sign on to partnership when it can be more rewarding than the peace of solitude. Yeah. <laughs> right now that's not that's not where it is and that's not the that's not the chapter of my life that I'm in right now. Yeah. So dating no, hell to the no. <laughs> um I'm I'm and this is probably a not a probably accurate, just probably a broad brush judgment that's inaccurate based on my own experience. So if, I apologize if you're listening and you're on a dating app, but dating apps for me tell me that there are people out there that are not content to some degree with themselves and they're looking for someone to fill that space in any capacity, whether it be trauma related or an inability to just be happy with themselves or whatever drives it, they still can't be with them or alone. They've defined alone as undesirable. Yeah. And I don't resonate with that group. 
I don't resonate with anybody who who isn't totally, completely satisfied alone. So I'm not going to find, I know automatically that loading a dating app, I'm looking for people that are going to be all mismatched. Right. Right. And I don't, I have learned who I am to such a degree and all of the little nuances and all of the little qualities about me that it's like, I don't think anybody's going to cherish me right now the way that I can. All of the little special quirks and that, that worthiness of just love that somebody that's going to come into my world and be me right for me better than I can be me for me like real like real a real addition to your life rather than a distraction or a frustration right. or any of that you know it's funny i so i was i think it's 4 years now that i've been divorced and of course 2 years with a healing life every forward is healing journey but for me it was very intense for the first year fairly intense this the second year by the third year now i was dating and i was you know filling my time with fun and wow that was loud um and you can hear it in the microphone so it it was very um just part of my journey you know um you date you go on dates you do this you do that but like what you just said, I got to a stage when I really found myself healthy and I knew who I was and I knew what I wanted and I, I was just at a really good place. Uh, yeah, I got off all the apps. I didn't do that. There was a book I read. I talk about it often on the podcast called How to Not Die Alone by Logan Uri. Hate the title, but it was a little triggering, the title. And But I thought, well, it's, it's, a, it's a dating book. I'm curious what she says. Mm-hmm. I read it. It was really, really good. You know, talking about, are you looking for a, a prom date or a life partner? And just really kind of, it had some different practices and thoughts about how to really kind of look within to, to what would really be a good fit for you. Totally. It was such a great book. And, um, and when I got to the place where I was happy to be single and even was like, no, I'm good. Like I, I'm, if I meet someone great, if I don't great, like I'm fine mm-hmm. and really stopped looking or f- really that need, you know, I, I work as a date coach. So I work with a lot of singles and, and they're just so, they're so, they just want to be in a relationship so bad, you mm-hmm. know? And on one hand I get it, but on another hand, I'm always like, ah, see, that's what I want. I want to coach you out of that, that feeling of, of you need right. this and I got to have this and I'm just. I'm so lost without a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I just, you know, I'm incomplete. I, I, that's what I'm trying to coach them out of. Like, Hey, I, I would like to see you be to the point where you're like, no, I'm good. I mean, I don't even like whatever. And that's then when you find yourself at a place of even being able to recognize someone that could be a real addition to your life and you be an addition to their life. Your energy creates your outcome in all things. And that includes the people that you attract, which is part of the reason if I'm honest, in total transparency, the people that I have brought into my world tell me I have more to work for, yeah. to more to do on myself, more discovery to make. And not to say that, okay, if you're unhealed in any capacity, you need to just like be alone until you're fully healed. That's impossible. We will right. never reach the place of fully healing. But I knew that I'm going to attract where I am on that scale. And the people that I've been attracting have been more 
not partnered. It's been, it's been activating a core wound of mine and my core wounds, if we're really going to go into transparency have been, I just want somebody to pick me. Yeah. That's a settling statement. That's a very, like, I will take whatever picks me. That's so low on the yeah. scale and where I am with my own presence, like that's does not in alignment at all, which means I have work on these core wounds to do. And then it was when things get difficult, people disappear. That's what I, that's what I knew in my childhood. Yeah. And so to this day, that's when that's what has been manifested into my world. And I, was, I talk about this so much with my girlfriends because I used to do a lot of times I would ask my girlfriends for advice. And then I realized if I'm doing all of this work and pushing this boulder uphill to try to keep this relationship connected, and I noticed I'm the only one pushing up this boulder. I'm asking all my girlfriends for relationship advice. It's like, I'm not able to do it in house. If you're asking your girlfriends for relationship advice, chances are you can't do it in house because you're not you don't have a partner that's invested in doing that too. Cause otherwise you wouldn't be asking them for advice. You'd be working it out with them. Right. So it was just a very, very, very clear sense for me that it's just not, it's just not the right time. And there's a lot of, you want somebody to contend with, of course, you want somebody that really has that, that grit and that ability to, you can't just decide you're going to run parallel to somebody and then have it be perfect with the way that they run and the way that you run in your life. And you're like, okay, I found this person. We're going to run parallel forever. And it's going to be flawless because we've just decided we're going to run parallel. I used to attract people that when we would get in each other's track and somebody get tripped or somebody would run at a different pace or whatever, I used to outrun my people and outgrow them. Like I was just expanding so far beyond, like they want to stay in the, in the little box in the little comfort zone or people that could not tolerate any kind of bump in the road, they're waiting for this perfect aligned person that can't contend, they can't fight, they can't, you know, figure it out. And so when things get hard, they bolt. I'm going, okay, that's not my person, that's not my person. But even more so, I didn't want to leave the scene with this bitter taste in my tongue. So it's not only that I'm in a place where I'm good with who I am and have work on my healing to do, because, you know, I, I know that that's, that's part of it. But I'm going to, I want to work on my energy so well that the person that I do attract is someone that that is healing for you. Yeah. And that in that place of who I become in that relationship, it is also of benefit to them. Because most people go in there with this narcissistic statement of, I need to find the right person. They don't think about being the right person Absolutely. either. <laughs> and it's also, how are you going to show up to this partner, to this person, this how, what service and what level of devotion can you really apply to somebody if you're worried about all the things you're going to get from them? Yeah. And I was still operating in a transactional, old school way of of thinking and orienting myself in a relationship. It's like, you do this for me, I do this for you. And you stop doing this, I'm going to start withholding or, you know, to the degree that you can this, I it's the degree that I can this, et cetera. It's just, it did, it's an old... Um, it was an old setup and it's really outdated and I know that it will require my whole being to show up to it. Yeah. And it's just kind of that awareness. It's like, I don't have my whole being to show up to it yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm still working on my whole being committing to me. I, I say this all the time to, to my clients. I say, it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. And I say that, I say that, I say that, I say that, I say that all the time. And it's just, 
I've it's proven to be true in in my clients in my life and in uh, friends' lives and different things that I've heard that when when you really get to knowing who you are and you're really just being, you know, that life will unfold, you know, things will begin to unfold or they'll be clearer to you. But not only that, I always say that because the reason that's so important is you want to choose wisely. And when you're not in a good space, you're going to choose not wisely. That's mm -hmm. just that you can't choose wisely when you're in a bad space, you know? And so clearly if you're, if you are in a, in a really bad place, you're going to make poor decisions. It's just the way it works. And again, like you said, it's not that you get to a place where you're perfectly healed, but, but there is such a thing as being healthy and unhealthy. And so for me, it's like the, the thermometer needs to be over in the healthy range where, where I am healthy and I'm making healthier uh, choices, which just makes sense. You're healthier. You make healthier choices. You're unhealthy. You make unhealthy choices. Um, and, and the, it takes work, you know, and you gotta be self-aware. I think, you know, I've, I've, one of the biggest, um, uh, one of the things that helped me the most in my journey was, was looking in the mirror and being honest with mm -hmm. what I was seeing. And people talk about being self-aware and, you know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes some of the people that would say, Oh, I'm self-aware. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I find you to be extremely not aware. Yes. Uh, but they're aware of you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And so I, that for me, it was hard. It, it was I mean, that, like you said, to be very transparent, I remember, <laughs> and this is, I'm not being, I'm not saying this to be humble and this is not a, a, a I'm saying this and meaning something else. It, I really did get to this place where I remember I said, I have always thought I was way better looking than I actually am. <laughs> and I remember my counselor just started laughing and I said, you know, I said, I'm not, I said, I know that sounds funny and and because I said it kind of in a funny way. I said, but actually the the truth is I mean that. Like I was raised to believe like I was the most handsome person in the world. I was, you know, like Superman. That's just the way my family, you know, I was special. I was, you know, all that. Which is on one hand, that's great. You know, it was better than the other. Yeah. I've been raised that I'm nothing and like all that. So I'm thankful for that. But it did give me this complex of like, I'm all that in a bag of beans. And so when I went out into the dating world, uh, after being married for such a long time, one, I entered into the dating world, literally reverting back to my teenage years. Like I literally came onto the dating scene 100% just trying to use my swagger, my personality, my humor, my looks to, to achieve what I thought were, was my goals. And it just was a clusterfuck, you know, <laughs> it was a good universal <laughs> and, and it did, it, it, it really, you know, I got my ass kicked in that process. And I remember having some dark days and I remember just realizing that, okay, mm -hmm. you know, what's, what's going on here? What's up? Sure. I, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not the catch. I think I am. And that was, that was for me to be that honest. I, I try to help my, now that I've gone through all that, I truly try to help my clients. Cause they're like, you know, they're, they're such a catch and the guys just don't know what, you know, what I, what I have to, you know, I'm thinking, 
Mm. Wow. Like, well, and then there's the women that complain that, you know, they put their face out there. They put their body out there and everything. And then they, they condemn the men that are after that. (laughs) And, you know, I was guilty of not exactly the same thing, but something akin to it is I had an inability to draw a line in the sand as far as what I deserved and what I was not going to compromise on. And I had people that would essentially treat me expendably, you know, and almost kind of a, I revolved around them. I was praising them. I built them up and I, you know, I learned all the ways of like how to make a man feel like a king and just like, how can I show up to the best part of that and and do the, you know, it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. There is a definite unhealthy degree of being the right person without looking for the right person Yes, because you don't have to be healed. It's actually more important that you find the right person healed or unhealed because the right person, meaning that you've done the work to get to the healthy side, like you're talking about to where you're attracting somebody who will be compatible with those wounds and will respect them. Because what I was doing is I was just going, I'm going to match with the best possible thing that I can match with. I'm going to put on the outward I'm going to advertise this bigness and I'm going to use my credentials and my appearance and all of that. And I'm then then going to outperform them. And then when I would get burnout, exhausted and want something for me, want understanding, want to be seen, want to be heard, want to be validated. It was like, they're going, I've gotten all of this by sitting on this throne and watching you run circles around me, praising me for every little thing that I do, giving me credit for where credit is definitely not do, but I'm getting away with it. Yeah. You want something from me now? Yeah. And so that's basically been this, the, the underlying theme of so much. And it went to the childhood wounds of being the adopted child, the sub level person in the family of the one that, you know, just needs to like take the scraps in the corner and be good with it. Yeah. And so I would eventually in my relationship world to take the scraps in the corner, and be good with where it's like, I don't care what my love language is. I'll take anything. Yeah. And I became this like, the little adopted orphan girl in my relationships. And it's like, I'm, I'm not settling for that anymore. If I draw a line in the sand and you're not showing up to it toe to toe to go with me and you're not fighting for me and cherishing me as I do, you don't get access period. Yeah. Well, that's good. Gosh, I know we could probably talk for (laughs) hours and hours more. So, uh, you have a podcast, uh, Tell us how, tell us how we can find it. And if there's any other information that you can give, how people can connect with you through social media. And, and then the final question will close the podcast. What's, what's forward for Kara? Like what's, what's, what are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to uh, in the next year, two, three, four, like where are you headed? That's a great question. So the podcast is the happiness habit podcast. I love it. We started it on a whim in 2020. It took off like a wildfire and it's just, it's a great place to be. We talk about everything. So when people think like So similar to this. Yeah, it's, it's happiness is kind of the umbrella of all the different routes to get there. And I'm talking to people who are struggling with depression, anxiety, overwhelm, stress, relationship problems, because everybody deserves to be happy. And there's so many different ways and so many different starting points, so many different people seeking it out. So I don't like to segregate and, and say that I'm only speaking to people that you know, the happiness habit is so much more than that. Um, I mean, there's not just one way to happiness. <laughs> <laughs> and another 30 minutes. Here we go. Um, and then I pretty much live most, I don't like to be ever present everywhere. I repurpose my content, of course, so you can 
have your stuff everywhere, but I'm mostly on Instagram. That's where I, that's where I live. And it's just Kara Payton with an underscore. And, you know, you'll probably see it. It says the nervous system antihero. So that's, that's kind of what I'm known for as far as nervous system healing. I heal, I help people work through anxiety, self-doubt, overwhelm, and all of that. So they can increase their pro- productivity, their income, their relationships, their, their, their general life fulfillment. So, um, that is pretty much where I'm headed. That's, that's what's working forward for me the next couple of years. I'm making a few TV appearances and podcast guests. That's going to probably be an ongoing thing because I love talking with people, but, uh, it's just continuing to spread and grow this crazy thing that I had no idea how to shape it and it's just taking off. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to all of the different formats. There's, there's a course library. There's, I love having conversations with people. That's my, that's my best thing. No matter where people end up in my world, on the website, through the podcast, through, you know, courses or training or webinars or collaborations, it's the conversation and the connection. I cannot get enough of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the the Timmy Gibson show. <laughs> it's it's been too long. I, I'm surprised I hadn't had you on before, yeah. uh, but uh, I'm glad that we got it done today and uh, Godspeed. Thanks. Thanks for having me so much. It was such a good conversation. Yeah. 